the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. This is Heidi St. John filling in for my friend Georgine Rice on the Georgine Rice Show. I'm glad to be with you guys here today at 93.9 KPDQ and 820 AM. The word for those of you who are not familiar with me, I am a hometown girl. I was born in Portland, Oregon, graduated from Portland Christian High School and attended Multnomah School of Bible with my husband back in the 80s when uh, things were a little more sane than they are today. My husband and I have been married for nearly 35 years now. We have seven children and four grandchildren, and I am the host of the Off the Bench with Heidi St. John podcast. And if you guys would like to catch me online, that program airs five days a week wherever podcasts are available. And I'm also the author of nine books. My most recent book is called Mom Strong 365. It's a daily devotional to encourage and empower everyday moms to walk with Jesus. And I hope you guys will check that out. Uh, that is the latest book in a series of books that I have been writing for Tyndale for the last seven or eight years or so. The first one called Becoming Mom Strong. How to Fight Within You for Your Family and Your Faith. And those books are available again wherever books are sold, or you can find them at my website, HeidiStJohn.com. My husband and I are also the founders and the executive directors of Firmly Planted Family, a nonprofit that's located right here in Vancouver, Washington, and the Firmly Planted Family Homeschool Resource Center. And I hope you guys will check that out by just going to firmlyplantedfamily.org. We've been involved in the homeschooling movement for a very long time. I like to tell people that I consider myself still to be a rather accidental homeschooler. And uh, we never plan on homeschooling our kids. In fact, our oldest daughter, Savannah, was in school in Canby when the Lord really showed me and opened my eyes to the fact that education really is a big Deal. Jesus said in Luke 640 that when a student was fully trained, he'll be like his teacher. And so I travel the country uh, many, many uh, days out of the month, and I talk to audiences uh, about things that are happening in the culture politically and also in our schools. But just reminding parents, we cannot afford to outsource the parenting of our children, uh, not to our youth pastors, not to our pastors. God says that the responsibility for training and teaching children belongs with the parents. So I'm excited to be here on the show with you today. Some of you might know my name because I ran for Congress in the 2022 races for the third congressional district in uh, in Washington state. And uh, Georgine had me on the show several times. So it's a joy really for me to be filling in for Georgine. And I hope that this show finds you wherever you are uh, encouraged today. I've got a great lineup for you. Uh, first up is going to be my friend, Pastor Sam Sandin. He has been an associate pastor at Father's House Church for nearly 21 years. And uh, he's going to be talking with me today about the role of the church and answering the question, does the church even have a role to play? 
in politics? Should we be encouraging our uh, congregations to get involved in the battle for the heart and soul of this nation? Of course, you guys know, because I ran for Congress, how I feel about it. But we're going to talk to Sam, see how he feels. And then also my friend, David Fiorazzo, who is the host of the radio show Worldview Matters, is going to come on and we'll be talking a little bit about current events. David is a real shepherd and has a very unique perspective. And so I'm excited to have him on the show with me today. And then finally, uh, my friend, the former general counsel for the Alliance Defending Freedom and just an incredible human being. He's argued before the Supreme Court. He's the Chancellor Emeritus of Patrick Henry College. Mike Ferris will be joining me today. And all of these people are going to be encouraging you to get involved in uh, in your communities and really be a voice for Christ and for the gospel. Lots of people asking me about what I think about the new speaker of the house, Mike Johnson. And uh, I am thrilled. I think it's a mercy over this nation. I've had the opportunity to meet Mr. Johnson. And a lot of people have been saying to me, who is this guy? He seems to have come out of nowhere. And I frankly think that's a wonderful thing because it tells me that he's interested in governance, not in showboating. And so uh, I really am excited to see how he uh, how he fares in the House of Representatives, what he what he, what his performance looks like there. But when he was asked about his stance on controversial topics such as uh, same sex marriage and abortion, Johnson replied, "Go pick up a Bible." And later added that he genuinely loves all people regardless of their lifestyle choices. And that this is not about the people themselves. And then he concluded by saying that the best way to understand what he believes about any given subject is to go pick up a Bible off your shelf and read it. That's my worldview, said Mike Johnson. That's what I believe. And so I make no apologies for it. Of course, there are those who disagree with what the Bible teaches on many of these controversial topics. A biblical worldview is hardly a valid perspective from which to govern And uh, that should be expected. That's how the world feels about Christians in the public square. And frankly, you know, we've earned it. We decided that Christians don't belong in politics. And so we removed ourselves from the public square. And and here we are. And it's really impossible to know. You know, it's only been a couple of weeks since Mike Johnson was sworn in as the new Speaker of the House. So it's impossible to know uh, if he's going to do a good job managing the often difficult factions within his party. And believe me. Having run for Congress, I can tell you that the factions within the Republican Party are real. And the nature of politics is such that there will always almost be one side convinced that he has failed no matter what he does. So we need to be praying for Mike Johnson. And I am really praying for him that as he steps into this very, very public role, that he would speak for the Lord of Heaven's armies. Our nation is in desperate need. Of revival, we are in desperate need of uh, men and women to get off the bench and onto the battlefield, and to really start to take responsibility again for the governance of our nation. Listen, you guys, politics determines policy, and policy is what shapes a nation. So I'm excited to be with you guys today again. This is Heidi St. John sitting in for Georgine Rice on the Georgine Rice Show. I'm looking forward to spending the next little bit of time with you catching up on all things related to uh, a biblical worldview. And I'm going to spend some time interviewing some wonderful people here. And I'm calling this segment visiting with my friends at the intersection of faith and culture. 
Again, this is Heidi St. John filling in for Georgine Rice right here at 93.9 KPDQ and 820 AM. The Word. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Welcome back, everybody. This is Heidi St. John filling in for Georgine Rice on the Georgine Rice Show. I'm glad you guys have joined me for your commute wherever you are this afternoon. I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. Uh, Dave Fiorazzo is on the show with me. He is the host of the radio program, Worldview Matters. I've been on his show several times. He has an incredible voice of discernment in worldview and what is happening, particularly out on the world stage. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. David, welcome to the Georgine Rice Show. Hey, Heidi, thank you so much for having me. Good to be here. It's great to have you. Let's jump right into this because you and I have been watching, as a lot of our listeners today, what is happening between uh, Palestine and Hamas Mm -hmm. and the nation of Israel. But what's more interesting to me is how the United States and the citizens here are responding to it. You've been watching this from your neck of the woods too, right? Yes, absolutely. And uh, one thing that was very clear that our university system has been hijacked by the left. And another thing is very clear that a lot of people, right, Christian, conservative, Republican, did not know there was a propaganda war going on. Um, And we have almost lost that war. You can see the left winning disciples um, from the public schools all the way into the university system. And there, you can see these pro-Palestinian rallies. So they are basically, basically justifying the murder, the rape, the torture of human beings. I know it's, it's people in Israel. I know it's the Jews, but they are fellow human beings. So there, it's very concerning that what we're hearing right now on, on the college campuses, they're not letting conservative speakers come in and, and give a talk and they boycott, you know, people like Riley Gaines wanting to talk about gender issues or Charlie Kirk or Ben Shapiro or others, but they're going to let uh, other people just wave their flags and promote hate. And it's really disturbing that we've let it get to this point. Yeah, it really is. I was listening uh, just a couple of days ago as Tim Scott was blasting what was happening at uh, at, at our, our college campuses as despicable. It really is despicable. We're seeing people who are blatantly and openly supporting Hamas. When you wrote about this the other day, what was your what was your premise? Who were you trying to reach? Well, first of all, I wrote two different things in the last couple of weeks. One of us, one of the things was on prophecy and propaganda in Israel from a biblical perspective, because you've got to go back not only in world history but biblical history to understand from Genesis on what what did God say? What did it say about the land? Um, and so there's so much of a misunderstanding there. And then our in world history. Um, 1948, I'm a miraculous time where the Israels regathered there and they became a nation. It was remarkable. And that was prophesied in Isaiah 43 and, and uh, another place in Isaiah 66, 8, that the nation would be born in one day. And it did. But th- the point is, Heidi, they returned to that land. They were in that land. Over 5 million Jews returned to Israel from, as Isaiah says, the north, the south, the east, and the west. So people don't understand. And the word Palestine as you probably talked about this before, it comes from Philistines. And the person that made that famous was the Emperor Hadrian, who wanted to mock the Jews. So he came up with the name Palestine. Uh, it was a Philistia and to mock the Jews because of their enemies. He wanted to name the territory after Israel's enemy to mock them. And so there's a lot of history that people just don't understand. And so it really, regardless of that history, going back to my first point, Let's just take it from a human level and say, 
are we seriously condoning the murder of other human beings, no matter what form it takes, no matter what country it's in? And this is what ignorant college students are doing. Now, I do want to say some are deceived, some are deceivers. Most of them are deceived because they grew up just believing the talking points in ignorance about the left and about, the, you know, there's anti-Semitism, Heidi, that I've, I've never seen it at this level before. And that's also very concerning. But I want to get to this, this point. Another article I wrote was about the major media. I mean, about the um, people supporting Israel. It, it really says Democrats and Republican voters still support Israel overwhelmingly, but you would never know that from how the media reports this issue right now with Israel and Hamas. Well, and the reality is this has been coming for a very long time. We're just now seeing the fruit of the propaganda, the teaching of the far left in our universities and even our public high schools. And I'm wondering, you know, from uh, I I don't know what you what you have seen, but I was alarmed, honestly, at the number of people, pastors in particular, who took weeks and weeks and weeks to even address the horrific attack of Hamas terrorists uh, that really took out this vengeance and exacted this terrible, uh, this terrible uh, behavior in Israel on completely innocent civilians. It feels demonic to me. So it seems that the church should be addressing it. Yeah, you and I talked about this recently, and I've talked with several pastors that I know of. And I want to, you know, be encouraging. First, there are a lot of pastors, a remnant of pastors that are addressing this. But the majority, the overwhelming majority, we've got over 300,000 churches in America. I don't know the actual number. Well, you have to put church in air quotes now in some cases. Right, right. <laughs> and, right. and you have to put pastor in, in air quotes. There. Yep. Anyway, get back to the, the original point. They're not addressing this. One of the reasons is they're, they're ignorant about the history, uh, world history, about the history of Israel. And unfortunately, Heidi, they're ignorant about the Old Testament. So they're not studied up. And you can point at some of the seminaries today. Uh, we can go down that road, but that's for another conversation. But there are a lot of reasons. One of them is, is just cowardice. Some pastors don't want to address it because it's a, quote, controversial issue or maybe a, quote, political issue. Shame on them. Pastors need to lead. Pastors need to wake up and lead and equip the people that are under their care. And that, that hasn't been done. Yeah. And I, and I wonder, you know, as we move into this, we know that, you know, I've been teaching on the book of Revelation over at my ministry, Faith That Speaks. I know you're talking a lot about the end times and the way that Bible prophecy plays into this. We know that in the, uh, at the end, that the whole world is going to turn against Israel. I was uh, heartened and pleased to see at least, even if it's just for show, uh, the United States government backing Israel. I'm watching, though, as the Democrats are trying to hold hostage the aid that we might send to Israel by tying it in with aid to Ukraine and lots of other things. Uh, Senator Schumer calling it a poison pill on this aid. Uh, We've got about a minute and a half left before the break. Quickly, what are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, uh, do we have any say? I mean, we elect representative. Do 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 the people in America have a say in how they use our tax dollars and who they give our money to? Um, first of all, Ukraine. I mean, that, that, that's, that should be done. I mean, this is a globalist government. I'm not saying the people. We need to pray for the people. I, my heart goes out to the church there, the people that have been, they've had to move or had their churches, you know, demolished or they had to move out of the country for whatever reason. God bless them and have mercy on them. But their government is corrupt. And Zelensky is an actor. So he, he's a poser. He's a Marxist poser. But anyway, 
we shouldn't be giving money to them. But yeah, Israel, now here's a nation that gets attacked seriously, brutally, and the the world saw it (laughs) that we couldn't see, you know, a century ago or, or less. Now we're seeing these things. So there's proof, obviously. And now people are concerned that, you know, we should, we shouldn't be giving them money. So there's a, a lot of disinformation that I believe is coming out, Heidi. And I think the, the Biden administration is trying to play both sides and you cannot do that. No, that's right. And as we've watched, uh, we, everyone knows, you know, we're watching uh, the president of the United States who <laughs> has some sort of mental decline. I mean, something is clearly wrong. I don't care if you're a Republican or Democrat. All you got to do is listen to this guy for more than five seconds. You can tell that that's the truth. But when we come back, I'd really like to, after the break, continue this conversation with you and talk about what we can do as uh, men and women who follow Jesus Christ in the days to come to stand up for righteousness and to defend what God defends. The Bible says that uh, woe to those who abandon Israel. He will bless those who bless Israel and curse those who curse Israel. We're going to come back with my guest, David Fiorazzo. This is the Georgine Rice Show. I'm Heidi St. John sitting in for Georgine, and we'll be back in a few minutes on 93.9 KPDQ and 8.20 AM, The Word. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Welcome back. This is Heidi St. John filling in for Georgine Rice on the Georgine Rice Show. My guest for this segment is David Fiorazzo. He is the host of the radio broadcast Worldview Matters, and he's been in media for a long time. David, welcome to the Georgine Rice Show. Thanks for joining me today. Oh, it's great to be here, Heidi. God bless you. This is fun. It's a lot of fun. Tell us, tell my audience, I mean, I've had you on my podcast on Off the Bench with Heidi St. John. I've also been on your show over the years. But tell our listeners a little bit about uh, yourself and uh, how you got into uh, working in journalism. Sure. I'll start with a new program called WorldviewMatters.tv, 30-minute fast-moving uh, video show, Christian-based. We look at the biblical worldview and what's happening as far as cultural or world events. But going back to my writing, I started writing, I don't know if you know this, or blogging before I even wrote my first book, because of the media bias, because I couldn't stand the lies. I couldn't stand... And I was thinking, are other people picking up on this? Do people understand how they're reporting? They were being very unfair to one side and very supportive of the other side. And so I started blogging about that. And I thank God for places like the Media Research Center, uh, MRC.org. But I started looking into journalism and, and what are their principles? And I just want to share this real quick because this is my, one of my passions, and especially on the issue of abortion, for example, how, how tilted the media is because they're pro-death. But it's really rare these days, and it's very sad, as we see, that a liberal Democrat or a Marxist in power is held accountable. I mean, think of Hunter Biden and that whole fiasco. But then look what they're doing to Trump or, or at conservatives. But I want to go to some of the journalistic principles, just five of them real quick. Number one, journalism's first obligation is to tell the truth. Okay, big problem there when you go to CNN or MSNBC <laughs> today, even on PBS, the, the progressive broadcasting system. The next one is its first loyalty is to citizens. Number three, its essence, journalism's essence, is a discipline of verification. Heidi, they put out a story um, shortly after Israel retaliated, and they say Israel bombed the hospital in Gaza, which was false. First of all, it was the parking lot. Second of all, it was a misfire from Gaza. Apparently, they hit their own hospital on their side. It was not from Israel, but the media jumped on that. It took the New York Times a week to even admit that they made a mistake. So the essence of verification. Next, its practitioners 
must maintain an independence from those they cover. The first thing I think of is how friendly the Obama administration was with the press. They would have big shindigs at the White House and all the elite Democrat media were invited, right? And number five, journalism and journalists must serve as an independent monitor of power. Well, they take, uh, for example, when Trump was there, sure, they were trying to hold him accountable. They were trying to monitor power. They are trying to report on him. But when there's a Democrat in the White House, they take a vacation. So unfortunately, it's extremely difficult now for good people, Christians, conservatives, Republicans, independents that want the truth and want people just to be able to hear both sides and then decide for themselves what to think. But we're, we're not given that. So it's hard for them to go into journalism because it's so far left, even at the college level, they're not going to come out. Plus, when you get out and work at a firm or at a, a, a newspaper, at a, a broadcast outlet, your, your boss is going to be a progressive liberal. I mean, it's like 98.9% chance. So it's going to hinder your honest, truthful reporting. So we've got a major problem in this country, Heidi, when it comes to the media. And a recent Gallup poll came out, no surprise, that a majority of Americans do not trust the media today, an overwhelming majority. So this is really sad. It keeps on getting worse and lower and lower. Well, the amount of Americans, uh, the amount of Americans rather, who say that they trust the media to report the news fairly and accurately has reached this new low, I think, partly mm. because of what happened in the last three years in COVID. We were getting all kinds of wrong information oh, and all kinds of fear mongering. And we saw in a lot of the news, uh, the news, the major, what do we call the legacy media had the yeah. death toll tickers, you know, going across their screens. And even in what you're talking about with regard to this, uh, this strike on a hospital, which is a terrible, awful thing. Yeah. It seemed that the news was more interested in who could be the first to report it, not who could accurately report it first. Oh, I agree. And that's part of the problem with the 24 seven news cycle, with the internet, with iPhones and with instant news from around the world. First of all, human beings were not meant to bear this burden and take in all this. We were not meant to know what's going on in an instant, in a minute, on the other side of the world. That, that's just too much for us to handle, too emotional. I mean, we talked before, Heidi, about uh, souls tormented by evil, a principle in Second Peter chapter 3, where Lot saw the evil and wickedness around him, and his soul was tormented. He felt oppressed. That's what the Bible describes that as. And so we feel oppressed, and it's heavy when we know what's going on. So we weren't meant to. But the other thing is, because of this instant access, news media want to jump on the story and be the first to break it. And that's where they run into a lot of problems because they are, they're really quick to jump on something and, in this case, blame Israel. But they were wrong. And or I mean, how many times have we seen that? They blamed Trump or accused Trump of something, and then they came back and backtracked. But it was a week later, a month later, when they were proven wrong. But until that time... Uh, before that time, opinions are being decided. People are deciding how they feel about it, what they think about it, when it's based on a lie. So, yeah, we've got some big problems with the uh, media in America. Yeah, and I and I wonder, too, you know, as we come into 2024 in a very important election cycle, and I, I believe, and you and I have talked about this before, that the local elections are as important, if not even more important, yes. than these federal elections that everybody seems to want to focus on. But the Republicans and conservatives in general have long voiced distrust in the mainstream media outlets and this uh, political bias that we see in a lot of these news reports. But what's interesting to me 
because I looked at the survey also, is that their survey reported that trust among Democrats in the media is down 12 points since last year, which makes it the lowest the number has been since 2016. That actually gives me, David, a little bit of hope. What about you? Yeah, I, oh boy, I want to be an optimist on this, but I, I can't quite go there because I just know the, <laughs> I, I, I know, we, we know the nature of the human heart, Heidi. We know that, that they are evil. They will continue to do evil and call evil good. When it comes to reporting um, or changing their minds on some of this, they're still going to go to the polls and vote with, vote for whoever has a D behind their name. It doesn't matter what they stand for. And that's what's sad about the politics today. But you made a very important point, and that is local level local elections they're so important from the school board to the sheriff to uh you know the city council oh boy city oh, council mm-hmm. yep yep so we really have lost that emphasis because the media has us focused on personality on trump versus biden or trump versus clinton and that's that's provocative right it draws a lot of people in and we're forgetting what's important what we can control is something right in our own town right down the street at our own city high school. We can have some say there, but the federal elections, I mean, I know there's cheating and fraud every election. That's for a whole other conversation, but we have to impact lo- the local level and be informed of what's going on there. Otherwise, we're going to be in more trouble than we already are. Yeah, it's so true. Uh, in the next segment, my friend Mike Ferris is going to be coming on the show, and he told me a long mm-hmm. time ago that the quickest way to lose a battle is just not to show up to fight. Oh. And we've got to vote. People have to get out there and vote. Uh, In the last few seconds that we have left, David, tell everybody where they can find you so they can be sure and catch your show online. Sure. Thank you. Worldviewmatters.tv and uh, davidfiorazzo.com. My books are on Amazon. The most recent was Canceling Christianity. But the next one coming out, Lord willing, in about a month, month and a half, it's called The Assault on the Image of God. And understanding and responding to attacks on the Bible, human life, and the church. And so thanks, worldviewmatters.tv. Ask people to subscribe and they'll get an email once a week and they'll be able to watch the shows every Monday through Thursday. Thank you so much. This is the Georgine Rice Show. I'm Heidi St. John sitting in for Georgine and we'll be back in a few moments on 93.9 KPDQ and 820 AM, The Word. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. This is Heidi St. John filling in for Georgine Rice on the Georgine Rice Show. I promised you guys that I would bring you some fantastic guests for your ride home from work today. And I'm not going to disappoint you right now. Mike Ferris, the former CEO of the Alliance Defending Freedom and the founder of the Homeschool Legal Defense Association is here to talk about what's happening in our government, particularly as it relates to the election of a brand new Speaker of the House. I'm thrilled to have him here from the great state of Virginia. Mike Ferris, welcome to the Georgine Rice Show. Heidi, is always great to be with you, and I, I love being back, even by radio, in my old stomping grounds in the Pacific Northwest, where I lived most of my early 30 years of my life. I love that connection that you have, because we need more people who care about freedom to be speaking out about what's happening here in the great state of Washington and in Oregon. Uh, this show airs just out of Portland, Oregon, and I'm telling you what, we're fighting for freedom in this part of the world, as you well know. Indeed. Uh, the battle is... Uh, a little more in an advanced stage, perhaps, in the region there in Portland, Seattle, and so on. But the battle is is all over the, the country. It's, frankly, it's all over Western civilization. Uh, the, the people that believe that they are the utopian masters that will make all of our lives wonderful if we would just let them run our lives, they 
absolutely don't believe in freedom. In fact, one of the uh, professors at Georgetown University Law School who teaches constitutional law said he used to believe in freedom of speech, of the value that everyone should have freedom of speech, the government should interfere with no one's speech. But he doesn't believe that anymore because he realized freedom of speech was not conducive to the advancement of, 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 of the values of the collectivist movement that he belongs to and the progressive movement. So uh, they're openly admitting now their antipathy for, for freedom. Freedom means the ability to make your own decisions. You have educational freedom where you decide where your kids go to school. You have financial freedom where you decide where the vast majority of your money is going rather than the government deciding. You have medical freedom when you make your decisions about doctors rather than the government makes your decisions about doctors. So you can use the freedom framework for just about every area of life. And uh, we see more and more of our decisions being made by government. That means we have less and less of our own freedom. Well, and it seems to me that what's happening right now around the world, particularly as it relates to our universities, we are seeing a Marxist agenda coming forth. We know that Marxism isn't just uh, a religion, it's a worldview. And they mix these things together and they want to put us in classes of the oppressed and the oppressor. And we're seeing it now in the uh, in the fight between Hamas and Israel and people coming out of our universities who do not value freedom and to the point where they would actually side uh, with a terrorist. It's kind of a frightening thing what's happening in our uh, systems of higher education. Well, indeed, um, the the commonality of the people that hate America in its founding and those that hate Israel and its resurgence in the land it it's, has the, the history tour for thousands of years, um, they, they go together. They, they, they come out of the same socialistic Marxist well. Uh, there's a great book that, you know, that everybody should read sometime in their life called Witness by um, Whitaker Chambers. And he basically demonstrates that if you reject God, the real um, chain of logic that comes in is you end up a Marxist. Ultimately, if you pay attention to it and you reject God, you reject the, the, the good uh, that comes from God, the moral standards that comes from God, you end up a Marxist because it's the only way you can think of to solve poverty and war is we oppress everybody and we the clique, we the utopian few will govern everyone. And, and that's what, what's going on is we see the utopian few um, I, I went to Gonzaga Law School uh, for, um, for my legal education, and we had a visiting professor from Harvard named Paul Freund, who was former Solicitor General of the United States. And he, he said to me one day in a private meeting in his office, he says, you know, Mike, it's too bad we make so many decisions in this country by counting heads rather than by weighing them. What he meant was the smart people should rule over the average people. That's what's going on. They think that they can run our lives better than we can. And we need to say, you know, you're really not that smart. And we'd rather make our own decisions. Thank you very much. Yeah. And it's probably more important now than it's ever been that the American people understand the founding of this country and that we understand the Constitution. You and I have talked about this. You have an awesome constitutional uh, course that's helping parents and regular people like Heidi St. John understand and become uh, more constitutionally literate. But when I ran for Congress uh, the last year and a half, I learned that the vast majority of people that I went to speak to didn't understand why freedom even matters. We don't and we can't tell when our rights are being taken away from them if we don't know what rights we have that have been given to us by God. How important is it, Mike, that we get back to educating ourselves about the Constitution and the founding of this nation? 
There has to be a critical mass of, of people in the country who believe that freedom is a good thing. If we don't have that, we don't have America anymore. You know, it, it, it's, you know, it, we can't transition and retain America if we become a socialistic nation. There really are only two choices. You ask yourself the question, what's the purpose of government? If the purpose of government is to provide for my needs, you're a socialist and ultimately a Marxist. If you believe the purpose of government is what it says in the Declaration of Independence, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, we're endowed by our creator with inalienable rights, and for the protection of these rights, governments are instituted among men. That's why we have government, is to protect our God-given rights of life, liberty, and property. That's the legitimate basis of government. If you believe that, you're a freedom lover. If you believe that government should provide for us, you're a socialist. And, you know, people can be unaware socialists. People can be, you know, various shades of socialists. But you're a socialist when it boils down to it, if you think government should be providing for Boy, and if that doesn't come from our uh, our woke universities and unfortunately even from our high schools, I mean, I'm hearing this kind of ideology taught right here in the Pacific Northwest in our secondary schools and even in some cases in elementary schools. Uh, it's really alarming. My guest on the show today is Mike Ferris. He is the former CEO of the Alliance Defending Freedom and the founder of the Homeschool Legal Defense Association. We're going to come back after the break. And talk a little bit about the new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. You're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be a fantastic look into why I believe this really was a mercy for our nation. This is Heidi St. John sitting in for Georgine Rice on The Georgine Rice Show. And we'll be back in a few moments here at KPDQ 93.9 and 820 AM, The Word. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. Is aired on 93.9 KPDQ. This is Heidi St. John filling in for Georgine Rice on the Georgine Rice Show. Hope you guys are having a great day wherever you are on your ride home from work today. I am honored and blessed to have Mike Ferris on the show with me today. Mike Ferris is the former CEO of the Alliance Defending Freedom and the founder of the Homeschool Legal Defense Association. I was telling him before we started recording today that this man has done so many things. I could only list two of them. I hope you'll check him out online. But Mike knows the new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. And so I asked him if he could talk a little bit about that. Mike Ferris, welcome back to the Georgine Rice Show. Thank you, Heidi. It's always a pleasure to be with you. I'm, ha- I'm happy that you're here. I want to talk, before we get into Mike Johnson, uh, there are a lot of people who, like we were talking about before the break, who don't really understand even how our system of government works. They don't understand uh, the two houses of Congress or what the role is of the Speaker of the House. Can you tell us what does the Speaker of the House do and why is it so important that we get a constitutional in this uh, in there or even more important, a Christian, a man of faith? Well, the framework of our government was based off of one clear Christian principle, and that is everybody's a sinner, and we can't trust anybody with too much power. And so they wanted to divide power. Uh, And that's why we have state and federal governments. There was supposed to be a division of power, and those boundaries are supposed to be respected. Not being respected so much these days, but it was supposed, it was designed to be respected. We have different divisions. We have the executive branch. We have the judicial branch. We have the legislative branch. And the legislative branch is divided into two houses, the Senate and the House. Again, the reason for all those divisions and limitations of power is we don't want to trust anybody with too much power, and we want to keep everybody having checks and balances. So it's difficult to make law. Why should it be difficult to make law? Because every time a law is passed, somebody's freedom is diminished. 
Now, sometimes that's okay. Sometimes that's the right uh, you know, balancing of the interest, but many times it's not okay. And so we want to make it difficult to, to let government intrude into our lives. The Speaker of the House is, other than the President and arguably probably the Supreme Court, the most powerful position in Washington, D.C. Um, all spending bills have to originate in the House, according to the Constitution. So you can't spend one dollar that doesn't start off in a bill in the House of Representatives. And you can't get any bills through the House of Representatives if the Speaker of the House doesn't want them on the floor. And so if he doesn't want it on the floor, it doesn't come on the floor. And uh, it's only with his blessing permission that anything gets on the floor to be debated and decided and voted on. Now, there are rare instances where you can get a discharge position and go around the speaker. But in the kind of situation we're in today, that's not, you know, that's like slim chance and fat chance, which mean the same thing. Um, and so um, I, you know, it's just not going to happen. So Mike Johnson, who I've known for a long time and is a really, really wonderful man. You know, I, I've said and I mean this with all my heart is the best imaginable choice for Speaker of the House. I mean, I know a lot of congressmen, and there are a lot of them who have been really, really good choices. But from my opinion, Mike was the best imaginable choice. He is a solid Christian, evangelical, Bible-believing Christian. He has a thoroughgoing Christian worldview, and he knows how to use it. He, you know, he, he applies it correctly to the areas of, of right to life, the whole sexuality cluster of issues, um, Israel, you, you name it. You can't think of it of a biblically related uh, issue, issue of high concern to biblically minded Christians that Mike's not just squared away 100 percent on. Uh, he used to work for Alliance Defending Freedom, where I was the CEO. Now, we weren't at, there at the same time. I knew him uh, when he was at ADF because the work that I've done for HSLDA and otherwise, I worked with ADF in an informal basis for a long time. And so I knew Mike from that. I also knew him very well when he was in the Louisiana House of Representatives. Uh, he and I worked together and helped get that state to come on board with the Convention of States Project, which is an effort to limit the size and scope of power of the federal government. There are videos available of Mike making the pitch on the Louisiana legislative floor for that. Um, and he's, he's a, But his key reason that he's in a position today is Mike is a good man. He treats people well. He treats people with the kind of dignity that we hope Christians would be. He's the perfect balance. I like to say we should sing the song sweetly. That means we get the lyrics right. We're going to get the conservative message right. Those are the lyrics. But you got to have a, a good melody. And Mike has a good melody. He consistently says the you know things in a winsome way. He doesn't call people names. He doesn't burn bridges. Uh, he, he's learned that wonderful and rare balance of taking a really principled view, but not being a jerk about it. And that's just, you know, you win people over like that. And, and so it's, you know, most Republicans in the House are some shade of conservative. Few are as conservative as Mike, but the conservative stuff, he checked all the boxes. But the winsome stuff won him the other votes that he needed to get a unanimous approval in the House of Representatives, by, from the Republicans, of course. Not no Democrats voted for him, but right, naturally not. Right. 
Yeah. I've been saying for a long time, I mean, these are conversations that you and I have had uh, on occasion that we really need to bring civics uh, and civic engagement. There has to be a civility in it. And we haven't seen that now for at least what, you know, 10 years where people are yelling at each other and, and throwing, you know, and calling each other names. And it seems to me that Mike Johnson is going to breathe a much needed breath of fresh air into uh, into the Congress. Well, I, I think that people should um, listen to the um, exchange between him and uh, the, the Democrat that was his rival uh, for the speakership. They both spoke. You know, the the, the Democrat made the uh, speech just before Mike Johnson accepted the speakership. Uh, and it was he was a good speaker. But it was highly partisan. It was, you know, there were clearly crafted, fine barbs aimed at Mike, uh, aimed at his uh, role in the, the Trump election issues and other things. You know, they were, they were aiming at him. Um, whereas Mike came on and said good things, but he was kind to people. It was just, and it was straightforward and fresh. Just go watch that exchange and ask yourself, which kind of America do you want? Do you want the kind where this highly partisan, charged rhetoric, twisting the facts, or do you want somebody who will just talk to us like ordinary people, treat us with respect, tell us what you believe, but do it in a kind and gentle way? That was so in those two speeches. I love it. I saw it too, and it's just, it's an encouragement. And frankly, I think a mercy for this nation to have someone like Mike Johnson sitting in as the Speaker of the House. Mike Ferris, you're a national treasure. Thank you for coming on the Georgine Rice Show with me today. I appreciate having you. Thank you. This is the Georgine Rice Show. I'm Heidi St. John sitting in for Georgine. We'll be back in just a few moments here at 93.9 KPDQ and 820 AM, The Word. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. This is the Georgine Rice Show. I'm Heidi St. John sitting in for my friend Georgine. And my guest today is Sam Sandin. Sam is an associate pastor at Father's House Church in Longview. He's been there uh, working in ministry now for 21 years. He is a small business owner, along with his wife, Sharnessa. And I've invited him on today to talk about the role of churches in our upcoming elections. You guys know that this is 2024 coming right up, and uh, we've got some huge elections around the corner. But also, we have some really important local elections coming up in just about a week. And so I'm excited to have him here. Sam and his wife are really instrumental in helping me in my run for Congress. And I had a chance to work with them. And I think you guys are going to be really blessed. Sam, welcome to the Georgine Rice Show. Thank you so much, Heidi. It's a pleasure to be with you. I'm excited that you're here. Let's jump right into this because... Uh, the political world in our country right now is just literally on fire. Yep. And we've watched as our nation has moved away from, from the Lord and the church has become even less engaged in recent years than it has been uh, in, in the last 20 years. And I'm curious to know what's your thought on the role of churches? Do we have a role to play in, uh, in politics? For sure. Yes, Definitely. Looking in, you know, the Old Testament, you see that the uh, the people of the Lord, the you know, the prophets, and they were engaged in and called uh, called the nation to back to the Lord and, and, and spoke on on issues that were uh, not so popular sometimes. And I think uh, we've fallen into the trap of becoming a, a thermometer as the church instead of being the thermostat. We're to, supposed to be salt and life, and we're supposed to be engaged and helping to set the temperature of of the climate we're in. And uh, 
in many places, I think we are missing that because we are not trying to ruffle feathers. We're not understanding what it means to be salt and light. And we are hiding in a corner expecting people to come to us. We're standing with a megaphone and, and telling people how, how horrible the world is and say, instead of coming up with the solutions, I believe that God has solutions for the issues we're facing. And, and as a pastor, it's my duty and my responsibility to speak to those things. And we've we've seen a lot of pastors. I mean, you guys were very involved in my run for Congress, and uh, we've talked at length about this in the in the months after that campaign was over. That the disengagement of the church was absolutely alarming. But it seems that we've forgotten that uh, politics determines policy, and policy shapes a nation. So what do you say to the pastors or to people who are going to churches and refusing to get involved because of, say, a 501c3 or a tax-exempt status? I think we've fallen into the trap of, of uh, believing that the separation of church and state was meant to be that the churches stay out of uh, the state. It's actually the other way around. You know, when Jefferson coined the phrase in the letter to the Danbury Baptist, it was uh, a promise, basically, to the church and saying that the state would stay out of the church. And if we saw anything during the uh, 2020 and everything that uh, that happened with COVID, it was that the state had a lot of things to say about what the church should and could do. And uh, and that was the very reason we have the, the um, First Amendment for the um, that the uh, state should stay out of the church, not vice versa. And um, because of the misunderstanding of what that means, I think a lot of pastors have uh, fallen into the trap of thinking that I cannot speak to political issues. But the truth is that Every issue that we're dealing with uh, in the in the political sphere, m- most of them, uh, if not all of them, are biblical issues. And if we're not speaking to that, we're not speaking about biblical issues. And then what's left to speak about? Yeah, Father's House, you guys have, have been really, I mean, you've taken a stand up there. I've been up there talking to your congregation about what's happening in our schools. And the churches have been woefully silent on what is happening uh, in the education community here in the United States, we're injuring our children, aren't we? Body, soul, mind, and spirit. And certainly the church has a role to play in that. But Father's House, and you have been really instrumental in this and such an encouragement to me and many other people watching what you're doing, you guys have taken a very active role. And in fact, this year you have a ballot box in your church. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, Washington State is one of the states where you as an organization or as a church in our case can have a ballot box. So you can basically invite your congregants to to drop their ballots off at your church. And then uh, as a, uh, as an organization, then we would then take them and drop them off at the, the county elections office. So this is just one more way of, of engaging our, our congregation and make it as easy as possible for people to engage in the political process. You know, as uh my, uh, I, I grew up in Sweden and I, I'm a naturalized citizen. And, and one of the things that, uh, really, uh, was the difference between being, a, uh, having a green card and being a citizen was the, uh, the ability and the privilege and responsibility to vote. And I think this is a responsibility we don't want to take. Um, we don't understand how serious that is and that we in, in America have this beautiful, um, process that we are to be engaged and that we are electing our own representatives. Uh, this is not the case uh, in many places across the world. And um, we think that um, we, we've gotten so used to thinking that it's what difference do I make? But the truth is you make a big difference. And the very fact that when we are discouraging people to engage in that or say, what's the point? 
then um, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And we're trying to make sure that uh, that our church body is, is um, informed and educated, understanding how the process works, and that we as, as citizens, and I believe also as believers, we have a role to play and we have responsibility to be engaged in the political process. You know, Jesus said for us to be salt and light in, in every sphere of society, whether that is uh, as a business owner, whether that is as, as a parent, or, uh, or if you're in the arts and entertainment or anything like that, uh, that we are to be salt and light. He has planted us and sown us into the world. And if we are not allowing our faith to impact how we live our life outside the four walls of the church, then what's the point? I think the whole idea of the, um, the private faith that is being uh, spouted in many places, it's not biblical. Yes, our faith is private in the sense that, you know, it's my responsibility to accept uh, Jesus into my life. Uh, but to then hide it, that's not biblical. Jesus said to be salt and light. If my heart is transformed by the Lord, it should really transform everything I do in life, including being engaged in politics. What do you say to pastors who are struggling to get their churches engaged in the political conversations? Where's a good place to start? I think it's uh, to to really talk about that, to be um, be in the world where we're at, we need to be engaged. Um, We've seen over the last 20 years, I think, a trend to disengage in, in politics or in media or whatever. And we think that the, uh, the world is so horrible. So what's the point? We sit back and wait for Jesus to come back. But that's not the, that's not Jesus plan, right? He wants us to be engaged wherever he's planted us. And if he comes back tomorrow or in 50 years from now, I want, I want him to find me being busy. And I think that if we somehow, uh, disconnect our spiritual life from our, so to speak, secular life, which is not a biblical separation at all. It's 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 a Greek uh, separation. If you look at the life of the the Israelites, everything was was spiritual. And I think if we can get back to that understanding that that how we live our day to day life is a spiritual spiritual act of of worship, um, then I think we can then build on that. If if the only time we talk about engaging is in elections, I think we're missing it. We need to be involved. Uh, in every sphere and, and live out our faith. And, and the political area is one of that. And as a pastor, I think we need to come back to the issue that, that most of the issues we're facing in our nations are biblical issues. And we have to speak towards that because if the church doesn't speak towards that, then how will, will the church know how to react? So true. So true. We're going to take a quick break. For those of you listening on 820 AM, the word. Have a great night and be sure to download the podcast to hear the rest of today's show. Folks listening on 93.9 KPDQ, I'll be back in just a few moments. This is Heidi St. John on The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Welcome back, everybody. This is Heidi St. John filling in for my friend Georgine Rice on The Georgine Rice Show. Before the break, I was talking with my friend, Pastor Sam Sandin. Uh, Sam's been a pastor for about 21 years at uh, Father's House in Longview, Washington, and I've had the opportunity to get to know he and his wife, Sharnessa, pretty well over the last several years. And more recently, we worked together quite a bit because I ran for the United States House of Representatives uh, in the 2022 race for Congressional District 3, and of course, that included uh, Cowlitz County, where Sam and Sharnessa reside. Sam, when you were uh, deciding to get involved in that congressional run. I don't think you guys had ever been part of a congressional race. And certainly I had never even run for office. 
What was that like for you as just your regular average citizen going, you know what, I'm going to get off the bench and uh, get into this thing? Yeah, that's it's a very good question. I think uh, we quickly found out that we didn't know what we were doing. But um, <laughs> that's true. You know, <laughs> but you have to be a quick adapter, right? And you know, I think um, as a culture, many times we sit back and wait for someone else to take action. And um, and the truth is that unless someone steps into the fray and get involved, then it's not going to happen. And so when we saw that you were running for Congress, we said, hey, we believe in the message. We believe what you're standing for and, and want to get engaged. And so we we took the helm here in, in Cowlitz and uh, we did meet and greet, side waves, you know, um, tried to do whatever we could to, to get the word out. Because I think um, a lot of people... All their engagement in politics is, you know, voting on the ballot. And most most people don't even know who's running. And, and uh, mm. you know, even for the city elections coming up here, um, just in, in, a, in a few days, uh, I've had a lot of friends saying, hey, who should I vote for? And we're trying to change that so people are engaged and understand what are the issues? What, what does the city council do, for example? What, what does a congressman do? And, uh, and we find that in your run that a lot of people had a lot of ideas what a congressman or woman should do. Um, but uh, many of those things are outside the Constitution. And, and I think um, just re-educating people what the Constitution actually says and what uh, Congress should and should not do. I think Congress is wildly outside their boundaries in, in what they should do and, and what they are doing. And I think many congressmen don't even know what the Congress says, which is very frustrating. Um, but um, so it was definitely a crash course in learning things. But we, we uh, had a blast getting to know people and getting engaged in it. And, uh, um, you know, Pastor Rob McCoy says, you know, politics is dirty, but so is the church. So we just got to get engaged, right, and get our feet in there. Because if we don't, then who will? And um, yeah. I believe that the conservative values we stand for are um, our biblical values um, and um, that we have a constitution, a country that's worth fighting for, and that we have a founding that was very much inspired um, by biblical values and Judeo-Christian faith. And, um, and we can see that it's just even in the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence as well. So uh, it's definitely worth fighting for, um, but it's going to take people getting engaged because uh, the time of sitting back waiting for someone else to, to do it, um, that time has passed. The other thing I noticed, and I know you saw this too, because you know we ran for that seat in Congress for two years, and it was a grueling two years. I mean, you're out there seven days a week trying to talk to different groups of people all over Congressional District 3, and you you pointed out something I think is worth repeating. It was astonishing to me the number of people that I met out on the road who do not understand the jurisdiction of the Congress. They don't understand what the Congress is even supposed to do, and so they're asked, they want the Congress to make decisions that are outside of their jurisdiction outside of their boundaries. And you guys are making a difference there in Longview and certainly here at uh, our nonprofit in Vancouver at Firmly Planted Family. We have hosted Rick Green's uh, constitutional literacy literacy course, and it is biblical citizenship. How important was this uh, in your church? Was it it successful? And uh, why did you bring biblical citizenship, Rick Green's uh, Patriot Academy? Really, it's Patriot Academy's course, biblical citizenship. Why did you bring it to your church? We did it because we felt that as as a as a country and as a as a church even, um there's a lot of misunderstanding what, what the constitution is. And and it's become a, such a political issue and you talk about the living document that changes. Well, 
there was a reason why it was written the way it was written. And there's nothing, no document like it in, in the world, I believe. Uh, and I'd loved how Rick Green and, and um, uh, David Barton, who's involved in that as well, uh, how they framed it and just really explained well what the Constitution actually says and doesn't say and how we can then apply it into our lives. Uh, as we uh, went through it, it was an eight-week course. You know, many times you put something on a church, you see, a, you know, after a few weeks, things start dropping off and, and, and people lose, lose passion. But we had a, a solid crew the whole time and um, we had barely finished it until people said, hey, when can we do it again? Because uh, I think there's a hunger um, for, for understanding and a truth. And when we hear uh, the, the history of, of our founding and, and God's hand and involvement in, in America, uh, that as a believer, it, it something comes alive and, and, and you understand that you're a part of something incredibly special. And, um, and we can't take it for granted because the whole of the Constitution and our way of life in general is, is under attack. And um, we need people who understand uh, what our rights are and that our rights, does, our rights do not come from the government. They come from God. And, uh, and it's been super helpful. To, to get people engaged in general in, uh, in their everyday lives by understanding what rights they have and how our country was founded. Boy, you're absolutely right when you say that our rights don't come from government, they come from God. This is another really big misunderstanding that people have in the culture. We assume that our government is the one who gives us permission to do things and really uh, our inherent rights uh, from nature and nature's God, as is outlined in the Constitution, really do come from God. You and I are uh, both of us friends with Pastor Rob McCoy, who is the senior pastor at God Speak Calvary Chapel in Thousand Oaks. He also served for a time as the mayor there of Thousand Oaks, California. There's something you don't hear about every day, a pastor running for uh, for elected office. Such a such an incredible, incredible guy. He quoted, I, I quoted him as saying, uh, in the absence of courage, truth is an orphan. And we are certainly seeing that, you know, a lack of courage in the church, a, a lack of or unwillingness rather to stand up. We have invited Pastor Rob. Uh, you and I both sit on the board of Firmly Planted Action, a 501c4 that's dedicated to bringing statesmanship back to civic engagement. And uh, Pastor Rob McCoy is coming to the Pacific Northwest. He'll be at Father's House and also here at Firmly Planted. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So. Uh... So Pastor Rob has been uh, instrumental, I think, in, in just waking up uh, the church to to being engaged and to to stand uh, on the truth that we have. And we've we've seen that if if the church doesn't speak the truth in love, then um, then who will? And there's a vacuum, I think. And as as the church steps up and starts speaking truth in love, uh, I I think we'll see people flock to the churches like never before. And uh, so that's yeah. what we're having in come. We want to have him show a uh, talk about how to be salt and light in the world and, and live out our faith. So he's going to be with us, like you said, on the Sunday, um, Sunday the 19th at 6 p.m. And, and the day before over at um, Firmly Planted Action. And we're thrilled to have him come and inspire people. And we're, we hope that a lot of people will, will get to hear him maybe for the first time and, and see how they can live out their faith. Sam, what's the website of your church? I got about five seconds left here. Fathershousechurch.com. Fathershousechurch.com. Sam Sandin has been an absolute delight to have you joining me at the Georgine Rice Show. Thanks for doing it. I'm looking forward to seeing you again. Thank you, Heidi. For more information on Pastor Rob McCoy, you can head on over to Firmly Planted Action. 
This is the Georgine Rice Show. I'm Heidi St. John sitting in for Georgine. We'll be back in a few moments on 93.9 KPDQ and 820 AM, The Word. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Welcome back to the Georgine Rice Show. This is Heidi St. John filling in for my friend Georgine. It's been a real pleasure to spend the afternoon with you, and I hope that you have been encouraged by the men and women who have come on the show with me today. I want to end by just encouraging you from the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 says, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. We are called, men and women, to speak the truth in love. And this is an extraordinary time that we are living in. And just like Esther was born for her time in human history, you have been born for this time in human history. It's no accident that it's nearing the end of 2023 and you're listening to this broadcast right now because God has you here for such a time as this. You could have been born 100 years ago or 100 years from now. For whatever reason, God in his mercy and in his providence decided that you were to be born for this time in history. And I want to challenge you as we wrap up today's show to lean into the saving power of Jesus in your life. I have loved living in the Pacific Northwest my whole life. Uh, Like I told you guys at the beginning of the show, I was born at Best Kaiser Hospital and I graduated from Portland Christian. And I have had a love for the Portland, Vancouver area for a very long time. Our family moved across the river to Vancouver some time ago. And now we run the Firmly Planted Homeschool Resource Center. I hope you guys will check it out just across the river, uh, not too far from Mill Plain, about 10 minutes from the Portland airport. But we are in the business, my husband and I, of helping parents find alternatives to the public schools that are injuring our children. They really are body, soul, mind, and spirit. And these are children who God loves. And I think as believers, we sometimes struggle to know how to speak like Jesus in this lost and dying world. We live in a world where we have decided that there's no such thing as objective truth. This is why you hear people asking the question, what is a woman? Well, it's a ridiculous question, of course. A woman is an adult, a female. But we've asked the question now because we have abandoned the idea of objective truth. And as a spouse or a parent or a grandparent or a student in this culture right now, we got to be asking the question, how do we live in this world as an employee, as an employer? How do we interact with other people in our workplaces in light of what's happening around us? What about on social media, for goodness sake? What are we sharing? What's the tone of the posts that we make on these various platforms? You see, Paul's words to the church in Ephesus can give us some help. He said that we are called to speak the truth in love. Those are five simple words, but boy, they're hard to live out in our own strength. As human beings, we tend to do either one or the other. Some of us are really good at speaking the truth, truth at any cost and let the chips fall where they may. We are careless, brash, sometimes even rude or obnoxious. The person who prioritizes speaking the truth would probably say, well, the truth is all that matters, right? If somebody has an issue with how I say it, then it's their problem. 
And I can tell you as a woman who speaks for a living, I have, I have the privilege uh, several times each month to travel this country and speak to women's conferences and other conferences around the, the nation where I'm invited to speak. And God has given me a voice of exhortation. And the most difficult thing about that voice is I have to really ask the Lord to help me temper it. I want to be able to speak the truth in love. I tend to see things in shades of black and white. And I love people, but truth has always been very important to me. But I've had to learn that the approach where we just speak the truth and it doesn't matter how people receive it is a flawed approach. Of course, the other side is that we can fall into the camp where we prioritize love over truth, right? We try so hard to love others that we're willing to sacrifice truth on the altar of a misguided mercy. And neither of these two approaches please the Lord. It's easy to skirt the issue, ignore the truth, sometimes to be even unwilling to confront it because we think that love alone will carry the day. We see the current issues divide and polarize, but to avoid offending others, we hold our peace and love quietly. Sometimes we're so afraid to offend that we don't speak up or stand for what the Bible says is right. Both of these approaches to speaking the truth are not right. The truth without love hurts, but love without truth deceives. If we want to grow to be more like Jesus, we have to learn to speak the truth in love. Only then can truth be heard. Only then will love have a solid foundation. Many of you are listening to this today and you're frustrated by what you see happening in the news. Maybe you're even afraid by the things that we see happening in the culture, happening politically, certainly happening geopolitically. But God says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. The time that we have on this earth is really just a blip on the screen of eternity. And we spend eternity based on whether or not we know Jesus in heaven with him or away from the presence of God. And I want to encourage you as I leave today to speak the truth in love wherever God has you. To your family, certainly to your children. Speak the truth in love in your churches. Speak the truth in love on your social media platforms. Speak the truth in love to your neighbors. We are called to be both salt and light in a world that desperately needs to be reminded that it has a creator. And you guys, having a creator changes everything. It's tempting to either speak the truth and not be loving or love people but not speak the truth. But to grow more like Jesus, to speak as he would speak, we need to speak both truth and love. And I hope that that challenges and encourages you today, wherever you are, whether you're home making dinner or you're driving home from work or wherever you are, you are loved. You are loved by the Lord, loved with an everlasting love here in 2023, born for this time in human history. And God has a plan and a purpose for your life. It's been a real joy for me to be here today. I hope you guys will check me out online. I just had a brand new book released from Tyndale, my eighth book in their series. It's called MomStrong 365. It's a daily 365-day devotional. You can find it wherever books are sold. And I want to thank you for listening to The Georgine Rice Show. 
I'm Heidi St. John, and I've been sitting in for Georgine today. She'll be back with you tomorrow. And in the meantime, I hope you guys have a great evening. And remember that you were born for such a time as this. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.